Tonight on Teal Tinted Glasses, we talk about the new Barracuda Arena. We talk about Noah Gregor being signed. We take a look at the Anaheim Ducks. All this and more on a new tinted Teal Tinted Glasses. However, as always, if you want to be part of the show, the best thing that you can do to help us out is to leave us a like, leave us a comment, help us in the algorithm. You can also follow us on all the social media at Teal Town USA. Uh, you can also, you know, again, talk to us in the chat. We always love uh, having you guys comments in the chat. So looking forward to another exciting show. Uh, so far, so good. The show is getting off the ground properly for once, and uh, we're not going to jinx it. So with me tonight is outside enjoying the beautiful weather mr kevin lacy how are you doing kevin we're doing a show about the minnesota wild right as i got all the <laughs> all the wild in behind me and everything like that no it's uh, uh i'm certainly not at TechCU arena right now that's for sure but uh it seemed like a really fun time out there today and uh I am just kind of impromptu here. So uh, if you want to know why the show started on time last week, it's because I wasn't around, but uh, you're with me this week. So happy to be on. Yeah, it's good to have you back on the show. And always with us, uh, it seems, never never fails to be here, is Mr. Hockey Jerk. Uh, Hockey Jerk, I, I do love the Wild Wing jersey. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I I, uh, I had pulled it out of my closet just for tonight. Um <laughs> No, you know what I think is kind of uh, a fun little omen, so to speak? Um, so literally right as we fired up, right as we went live, um, one of my cats, she was meowing really loud. And usually she only meows like that when she's excited. So I'm kind of looking over my shoulder. I'm like, okay, what the hell's going on here? And she walks into my office, and in her mouth, Kevin, you might know what I'm talking about. In her mouth, she's carrying one of the, like, hard hat stress balls that they gave out from the last time Shark's Ice did a redevelopment. <laughs> and so I, I th thought you were going to say a new Barracuda jersey, but <laughs> so all right. I feel like it's an omen that like she's bringing me a stress ball that was given out the last time Shark's Ice did a renovation. And now tonight we're going to talk about like their latest renovation. I just thought it was very, you know, appropriate. I thought it was because you knew this was a very stressful show to uh, undertake, <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, so um, let's get down to it, because um, last week I, I gave you a sob story. I don't have a sob story this week, which is also amazing. Um, the Sharks add Brian Wiseman uh, as an assistant coach, which is an interesting story, because he was originally announced to be a coach on um, in Long Island, and then he just never worked out. And then uh, John McClain goes there and takes that job, former San Jose Shark coach, who I was told would never find a job because the Sharks absolutely screwed all three of those guys, and yet they all got employed pretty quick. Um, however, you know, wasn't supposed to get a job. Uh, and the, so Wiseman comes to San Jose after John McClain takes his spot in uh, Long Island. And because it's Long Island, we'll never know exactly what happened. Um, but yeah, uh, thoughts? Anyone? I don't have a whole lot of background here on Brian Wiseland. Same. I do know his, his history here. Um, I was actually of the the camp, not necessarily the camp of John McClain will never get a job ever again. But uh, if you recall in last year's uh, off off season, I wasn't exactly thrilled with McClain and Madden being named assistant coaches. That's why I'm 
so much higher on the, the the new assistants coming in with Scott Gordon and uh, Ryan Warsawski and now also Brian Weissman. But I don't have a whole this it's it's one of those things where coaching is hard enough to describe on its own and then when you start getting into the depth of coaching it's like oh well he's a good guy uh, so I, I i don't know jerk you got anything more than that <laughs> well you know just just looking on the surface i mean you know they're bringing him in uh to be kind of the power play sort of guy and we we know you know, the Sharks power play has pretty famously been awful the last three years. So it's a welcome change on that front. However, I mean, given the the reason, the circumstances as to why he may have been let go uh, from the Islanders so soon after getting hired there, I am a little concerned at, about that. Right. You, you know, just the fact that the Islanders obviously felt that, you know, the issue, you know, his... Uh, you know, the, the accusations that had come out, obviously, they felt it was a, a major issue that they, you know, didn't want to have be part of their organization. And so they let him go. And then the Sharks turn around and pick him up right away. And I just, it doesn't really look like a good move to me based on that. Yeah. So to to, to elaborate on what Jerk's talking about, uh, Brian Wiseman was uh, accused of a sexual assault as a 19-year-old. Um, now I kind of just skimmed over this briefly. Um, so I don't, I don't know if I have this right. My understanding was there was, a, was there a settlement or just never just go to court? I, I don't remember the specifics, but, um, I, I think in this situation, you just hope to God that the sharks have done their due diligence and, you know, and we'll see what happens. I don't, I'm curious if that is why the Islanders decided to walk away. Cause I feel like he's been, Brian Wiseman has been around for a while. So I feel like it's, you know, like these, this isn't, I don't think this is new information, like the, the stuff from when he was 19 and I'm not, and, and again, I'm not, I don't want anyone to take this as me being like, oh, well he was 19, whatever. Right. Like, I don't, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that whatever, I would just hope that the sharks have done their due diligence, um, before making this hire, but because I'm not, I don't remember the specifics. I don't want to speak too much because I don't want to when you're talking about a topic as serious as this you don't want to get it wrong and I don't want to get it wrong fair fair yeah. um, so moving on uh, Noah Gregor signs a uh, one year one way contract uh, worth 950000 uh, he's going to be an RFA with arbitration rights when his uh contract concludes this summer Noah Gregor is back uh, leaving I think only Noah Gadjevich is the only RFA still pending for the Sharks correct yeah just just Gadjevich which I mean I don't know I I, I still if you want to take it all the way back I'm still kind of like why did the Sharks ever claim Gadjevich off waivers but that's a completely different conversation with no I, go, go ahead, ahead Kevin I uh, on Gadjevich, I understood the waiver claim. I mean, he was a player who scored, if I'm just spitballing, 19 goals, I think, in 29 games in the AHL the previous season. Like, I, I think that was a worthwhile claim. But then they they put him in a physical checking role because he's he can do that. Uh, so not really playing to his strengths. I kind of with you, he was the 
one of the players that I did not see getting tendered a qualifying offer. So considering the moves that uh, Mike Greer made this offseason, bringing in several young, or not necessarily young, but several depth forwards, uh, and we already had several depth forwards, you got Gadjevich as an RFA. Where does Noah Gregor slot in here, Jerk? I I mean, it's pretty uh, it's pretty well known that uh, that this is the Noah Gregor fan club over here. I mean, my pin tweet will tell you ever otherwise or tell you exactly that. But uh, it's going to be hard to say because I feel like the way Gregor had finished last season, it almost seemed. Like it was a for sure deal that you know they were going to run it back again with him and with Bordalo and and with Balsers, but a little bit of a problem there. Balsers is now on a different team, and for all we know, Bordalo is going to be with the Barracuda to start the season. So it is a curious case. I wonder, like, it seems like Mike Greer's uh, his priority for this offseason was kind of rebuilding the bottom six a little bit. And so with that in mind, I wonder, I see it going one of two ways. I mean, maybe Gregor is the odd man out. Maybe he finds his way on waivers or he's a scratch guy. Or, you know, maybe we'll all be surprised and he ends up, you know, getting elevated in the lineup just based on what he did towards the end of last season. I'm. It's hard to say. I'm personally a big fan of Noah Gregor. I think he's worth keeping around. I mean, especially at such a low dollar amount. I mean, you know. We we went through it last year with Noah Gregor's and RFA, and you know why isn't he signed? And you know yeah. what what if it's a lot of money and all this stuff, and then he signs for cheap, and then we come here again, and it's the same thing, and then oh guess what he signed for cheap again. So if you do have to throw him on waivers and send him to the Barracuda, like that cap hit is completely variable, so it's not an issue. But I I am curious, Kevin, like you were asking, I am curious to see where he does end up in the lineup because. I could see him on the outside. I could also see him say, hey, you finished the season well for us. Here's your reward. You're going to play on the top line. You know, I, 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 I feel like it's the spectrum is wide open for him, I think. I, do you want to say something, Ian? No, no, go ahead. Jump in. go ahead. So with Noah Gregor, uh, yeah, you mentioned the, what is it, $800,000, $850,000 that Noah Gregor signed. I, nine fifty. Okay, still, that's fine. It's not a problem. It's absorbable. And the one-way contract, I think, is the big the big thing there. I mm-hmm. think that's probably what took so long to sign Noah Gregor. And when we say took so long, it was four weeks into the offseason. So, <laughs> you know, but uh, Noah Gregor, I think, was unfairly ostracized by the fan base throughout last season for not taking – leaps and bounds like he took steps forward he he progressed through the season and I think that's what you want out of a young player like that Noah Gregor was a middle round pick so he's right where he should be if not ahead of where he should be for the range he was picked at I mean Mike Robinson was a third round pick and he can't even get an ECHL contract so Noah Gregor's doing just fine and Yeah, he didn't bury all of his chances last season, but Rudy Balsers certainly didn't bury his chances. In fact, I think Rudy Balsers probably had about one and a half times the number Noah Gregor did, and that's why Balsers is no longer with the team. Jonathan Dolan, also the second half of the season, didn't bury his opportunities. So it's like a 
Noah Gregor kind of had the opposite season last year where he did start off slow, but he picked his game up and then became a reliable forward by the end of the season. I have no problem with him getting a one-way deal this year. And if he ends up the odd man out, he's young enough that a team is going to trade for him. Yeah. Well, and I like, Kevin, I I like that you mentioned uh, – I like that you mentioned Dolan and you mentioned Balsers. Obviously – we like all these players, generally speaking. Yeah. I think they're all decent players. But to yeah. your to your point, uh, Jonathan Dolan had 12 goals. Rudolph Spalsers had 11 goals. Noah Gregor had eight goals. So they're all kind of in the same sort of same sort of range. Yeah. But you look at the shooting percentages. Dolan and um, Balsers were both over 11, percent which is above the mm. league, which is above the league average. So I, as much as I like those players, I think you kind of know what you have at this point. Whereas yeah. you look at Noah Gregor, again, in the same goal range as those two guys, shooting percentage was 5%, yeah. well below the league, league okay. average, well below. So to your point, Kevin, I think even I if— say, I think it's the opposite of my point, but no, go but, ahead. But, but no, but the, your point you mentioning about how he was unfairly ostracized by the fan base is if he's like an average player, like that's, what is that, 18 goals right there? You know, if oh, he yeah. if he's if he shooting like an average percentage. player, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And 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 so like like how you're saying, you know, these you know, there's a reason Gregor's here and Dolan and Balsers are not. And I think the fact that they had a similar number of goals despite vastly different shooting percentages, I think I think it proves that you're bang on with your assessment, Kevin, of why right. one's here and the other two aren't. Yeah, and I think um Tiger kind of brought that up in the chat too. It's like the the Tiger says, you know, the Dragger deal feels like uh Gregor <laughs> Dragger. <laughs> Gregor deal feels like if uh you can't have you can't have a worse shooting percentage, so this is your chance to show us what closer to the mean is for him. And I think that's that's a solid point. I think, you know, I think yeah. bring up the shooting percentage. I think that's a I th- it's it makes a lot of sense, right? When you look at it from that perspective, I certainly didn't consider it from that perspective of, you know, how does Gregor stick around because I I've been a huge critic of the lack of finish for Noah, for Noah Gregor. And I was for Balsers and, uh, you know, less so Dolan as well. Um, but I never really, you know, I didn't really take a look at the shooting percentage. And it's, it's a really good point. I think that you make jerk about how, you know, why, like, I don't, I still annoyed that they bought out Rudy Balsers. I think buying out Balsers was, was silly. Um, mm-hmm, I agree, but you know, but when you look at it from that perspective though, it's, it's hard to make an argument against that. Well, and and on top of that, you know, as I said, Balsers had, uh, or I'm sorry, Balsers, <laughs> Noah Gregor had, uh, he had eight goals this season. Half of them were in the final two weeks of the season. Right. And so it just, again, going on top of what Kevin said, if he gets in the right position and he starts clicking, he could end up being like, like you know, forget average, like, you know, fourth round pick could end up being a steal for the Sharks if everything comes together. I mean, the yeah. speed alone makes him an asset. Exactly. That's where I was about to say. Yeah, uh, Tiger's asking, uh, so where do we think Dolan's going? I guess, so What's what's what was the re- most recent news on Dolan? Um, uh, go ahead. Jonathan Dolan is probably going to either Switzerland or Sweden because he's, <laughs> I feel like I've said this year after year, he still thinks he's getting a one-way NHL contract for reasons so uh he's most likely going to switzerland i believe um team row which is his hometown club who he 
put up all those points in the Osvenskan for a couple of years ago. Uh, they, I think, by now have made a substantial offer to him. I had heard and it was what, a five-year deal. I believe that. I believe that because, I mean, hometown guy, a top producer for the last place club who barely <laughs> avoided relegation last year. So, but to me, if you're Dolan and you truly are trying to get that one way contract in the NHL, why are you going to go be a, you know, a, a big fish in a small pond? Like, yeah, maybe you go and put up. 30 goals for team row and they still get relegated mm -hmm. and then people start teams start questioning all right if you're really that good why did your team not do much better so i feel like going to switzerland or a better swedish league club would be uh, the best opportunity for him because then he can prove okay i can hang with the big boys on a contending team now come back to north america and get your one-way deal I'm skeptical of that, but that's what I would do if I was him and his agent. Well, yeah. and and you know what? And here's something that I had thought about too. And and I mean, we see it every year, but especially you know, still feeling the ramifications of the pandemic and all that kind of stuff. Like payrolls are cheap, raw or are uh, are you know, it's not cheap. You know, it's very there's very limited move movement there. Same thing with roster spots and and all this kind of stuff. And I'm I, I have kind of given it some thought, you know, we're over a month into the quote unquote free agency period and he hasn't signed to your point, Kevin. But I right. But I wonder if, you know, once we get to preseason and the salary cap, you know, obviously gets sorted out and roster management gets a little bit sorted out. I wonder if a team, one of these, you know, what I would say is a, a, a good team, maybe, I don't know if I would say elite, but a good team that does need that little bit of extra kind of wiggle room, a Colorado, a Vegas, a Tampa, maybe they take a chance. They say, okay, we got our cap situation in, we need a cheap guy, we can get into our 12 forwards and maybe he'll score some goals for us. I think if, if he does end up staying in the NHL, I kind of think it's going to be one of those where... You know, maybe a team has to wait to put a guy on long-term injury or needs to wait to send a guy down, something like that. I, yeah. I'm curious to see, because I think there's going to be a lot of really interesting players getting PTOs this year, and I wonder if Dolan's going to be one of them. Mm -hmm. Well, Dolan's agent has said that they don't want to make a decision until next month. So, yeah. although, I mean, that's a week away at this point, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, maybe, maybe they're looking for that, that late contract offer. I mean, it seems to me, and, and we saw that when we were waiting for Jonathan Dolan to come back over from Sweden, he, the, the one way contract was always the sticking point, whether he had proven or unproven or was not proven to that point, he still wants that one way contract. So it, it might be worth the gamble for him because a European team's gonna pick him up like that. Mm -hmm. That, so, yeah. If that's really his mo, he might be able to 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 fish one out at the end. And and you know, there's still like similar guys to Dolan. Like there's still a handful of them still out there. I mean, uh, Sonny Milano is unsigned UFA. Um, Sam Steele is unsigned. So I it's. There are a couple curious cases in the uh, the no qualifying offer sort of territory, you know. Yeah, I think Sam Steele. There's 
outside things going on sure there, but... oh absolutely absolutely yeah no I, I i i agree i mean it was an interesting summer because of cap stuff with the rfas i think like it was a really i don't remember a, a summer where so many guys were like wow that guy didn't get a qo really like i felt like that was that was really to me the story of the summer was the guys that didn't get qo's like it was just more than any other season I can remember. Yeah, man, and uh, part of it also with just the uh, the globalness. I can't even think of a word right now, but just the, what's going on in the world right now. Mm-hmm. You're seeing a lot of hockey players vacating Europe and coming back to North America too. So mm-hmm. it just creates this this uh, oversupply of talent. So teams were able to afford saying. We see another guy who's pretty similar, like, let's say, Andrew Podorowski mm-hmm. on the last show when you were talking about Seattle. Like, he goes and becomes the first 100-point scorer in the last 12 years in the AHL. So Seattle gives him a one-way contract. Like, players like that who say, you know what? We're willing to give you a chance because we've already seen some of these other guys. And, you know, we don't really – we think we can survive without them. So I think that's why a lot of players were not getting qualifying offers this year. And it'll probably come full circle next offseason where the players who don't get offers this year end up being uh, – getting lucky next year. So. Yeah. So, so, Kevin, my question for you then, and this is very much tongue-in-cheek. I don't think anybody <laughs> listening is going to get it, but I have oh, to Chris ask. Chris Mueller. Yes. It, Chris Mueller. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Three ice. Three ice tournament. Even some of those guys. Alex Kyle was amazing. He's not going to get an NHL offer, but even the three ice three on three tournament that just ended uh, for the summer here. um, Some of those guys might get AHL deals and you never know. Michael Haley came up from the ECHL and eventually got an NHL contract. So it'll happen. Yeah. Um, Got a question in the chat. Uh, Thoughts on which line Eklund might play on this season or if and how long he may spend in the AHL. Hmm. I mean, it's a great question. I I think he's a guy that you start. He's he's got to be if you're if you're playing him in the NHL, he has to be on one of the top two lines. You're not playing yes. William Eklund on your third line. So yes. if he's not going to slot in, now look at the Sharks. To me, I joke that you know there's there's a symmetry in having three third lines because with all the guys they've signed, that's what it feels like the Sharks are going to do. Um, I I don't know, man. I I feel like. Depending on the camp he has, I think William Eklund, I, I think you start him on the big club and see what happens. I, I, I think you make a good point about the Sharks having three third lines. I mean, as we all know, they, they spent the last three years not having a third line at all. That's true. So maybe, <laughs> to your point, maybe that is the right play. No, I, I, I'm with you, though. I think it's got to be, you know, I, I, I think it's more than likely he ends up in the AHL, but... I agree with you. I think you start him in the NHL, you see what you have just from jump, and then you kind of go from there. And, and you know, I think it's it's pretty apparent to me, and maybe this will change, but it's pretty apparent to me that the top line from last year will continue to be the top line going into next year. Yeah, it'll be and so Meyer, Barabanov. Right. And so, and so I, I think you shackle Eklund to Couture. That's what I was going to say is you find, yeah, them two, and then maybe, you know, if LeBanc is healthy, you put him on the other side or maybe you put a Limblom there if you have high expectations for him. But I'm with you. I, I think I almost wonder if that could be a good kind of pairing. I mean, you know, we think at least to start his initial career, you know, Eklund is going to need that 
sturdy kind of top six center to to sort of hang around with him for a little bit. And and conversely on you know on the couture side, which we've talked about, he's had a brutal combination of wingers the last two years. So, you know, maybe playing with a young, you know, a young kid uh that's got a lot of offensive talent will, you know, maybe that'll juice him as well. And very creative too. And, yeah. And while big picture William Eklund had uh, a tough time putting up offense statistically last year, it's not like William Eklund didn't look like he could hang in the NHL even in the nine-game tryout last year. He just didn't get any goals. But he was out there making plays, uh, being an offensive force. Because remember, the start of the season was pretty exciting. Fans were talking about, oh, this is the new-look Sharks. And then when he was sent back to Jurgarden, people were outraged about how can you he is he is bar none an nhler here so Mm -hmm. i think for sure he starts the season on the sharks i think he's gonna have a chip on his shoulder because he didn't score his first goal of the season until i think march in sweden so he's gonna have a chip on his shoulder and wants to go out and prove that yes he can score goals and include yeah as well as setting up plays and being a fast skater so yeah start him in the in the sharks roster and if it doesn't work out, it's going to be fine. Yeah. Put him on the Barracuda. Because Bordalo, I mean, Bordalo to me also should start in the top six. But there's probably not going to be room there for him to I think start your three if Eklund is there. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I'd still rather have Benino there and move Bordalo to the wing. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, to me, I, I know, and Promnen was a little bit down in Eklund. I think he, I think he ranked the Sharks, I think, 22nd. Uh, as far as prospect uh, yeah. pools go, and I don't, yep. I don't know if I, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds on that, but like I'm not super upset about it because I do think like outside of Eklund, who I think is heads and tails above most of our other products, Bordalo included, um, like there's 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 a lot of intriguing guys in the system, but like outside of Eklund, who who did have a down, like you didn't probably have the season we were hoping he would have in Sweden. Yeah, like it, you know, um, it's it's not fantastic, and I don't think they super bolstered their prospect pool in the most recent draft. Like I, you know, again, we've talked about this too, where there's definitely picks that I'm intrigued by, but there's nothing, you know, they didn't grab like that blue chip guy. Now maybe there wasn't going to be that blue chip guy when they traded back, and I wonder. I'm really curious to look back at this draft that just happened and like four or five years and really see what's what this year's draft was i'm i'm right now and i think jerk is as well i'm doing my deep dive into the draft right now and there are a couple teams i still think i still think seattle had a fantastic draft this year um and i'm still a little frustrated by sharks drafting beastead at 27 but i'll tell you guys what like the sharks moving back this year made sense to me even if i didn't like the player that who they drafted with the first uh with their highest pick i just but think if and if, if you short... if you change the order of those picks i don't think i hate it so much either no 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 not at all not at all um but if the sharks did that next season i'd have a big problem with that because i you're right i even at 11 although there are a lot of players who i really liked in that 11 range I don't think any of them are game-breaking talent. And that's what the Sharks need. Right. So if the Sharks did it next year where I project them to have a top-five pick, I, I would I would be pulling out what little hair I have left in the front of my head. 
So. And uh, AO just saying, I think people touting Eklund as the next great hope uh, is going to end up in disappointment. Please, no Mueller yeah. 2.0. I'm not, like, again, I, unless Eklund has, like, an awful season, like, again, I think Eklund is, like, if we did, if if we were to do, like, a pyramid, which maybe we can do at some point, I don't know if we have enough time left, like, summer is quickly dwindling uh, and the season quickly approaching, but, I like, Eklund would be in that top tier for me. So I, I don't know. Oh, for sure. I'm not... I, I know there's there's definitely concerns looking at what happened in Sweden last year. Yeah, on on an a, be it a pretty bad Jurgarden team, um, but I don't know, man. Like I'm still I I'm still pretty optimistic on Eklund. I think he's I, like I said, I think he's head and tails above pretty much anyone else we've got in the system right now. Eklund's not the player who you build your team around, but no. Eklund's the guy who pair with the guy you build your team around. Bingo. Uh, any any other anything you want to add to that jerk? No, I think you guys hit it all really well. I mean, I I I, I do agree. Um, you know, Eklund, I don't think, you know, he's not Connor McDavid, right? But right. to 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 kind of I don't know. I'm not that this is happening, but like to not allow people to be excited, I don't think is the right move either. You know what I mean? Like he's obviously as you said, Ian, he's far and above the best sh- prospect the Sharks have right now and the best prospect they've had since Timo Meyer, since Tomas Hurdle. And, since Hurdle. Yeah, probably since Hurdle. And like as as we've seen, you know, Hurdle in twenty twelve, Meyer in twenty fifteen, these guys don't come very often for the Sharks. Right. Right. Exactly. But hey, they compare him with uh, Nazem Kadri because he's on the Sharks now. <laughs> so, <laughs> what site was that? <laughs> So Sports Forecaster, which was my go-to website for hockey information for ages, they've had three really bad years. And today they reported that Nazem Kadri signed a one-year deal with the Sharks. So TTG5? Yeah, there we uh, go. Uh, <laughs> you heard sorry, it here Calgary. first. <laughs> Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Let's hope, let's hope we uh, make it through the rest of the podcast without hearing any more Kadri news. Uh, we might, um, the, uh, <laughs> um, the, they did the official opening of, uh, the TechCU arena. Um, obviously I don't think any of us were able to, I watched the like little pressy and the, and the finger, the finger cutting, the ribbon cutting and everything, <laughs> the finger cutting Jesus. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm pretty excited for the Barracuda to have a new home. Uh, Kevin, like, what does this mean for the Barracuda? Uh, it means everything. It means uh, done are the days of hearing about how the Sharks Arena, SAP Center, uh, is the cavernous hall for the Barracuda to play in when they only draw a few hundred people per night. Uh, even if the Barracuda draw only a few hundred people tonight, which might be like those weekday evenings or weeknights, that might be a little tough to get 4,000 people in. But just the overall buzz, the fact that we have media coverage now. Channel 2 talks about TechCU Arena and, and Mike Greer being a GM. And, and NBC Sports, uh, NBC uh, Bay Area today, Channel 11, had 
news reports both in the morning and in their lunch hour talking about the Barracuda, talking about uh, about Texas U Arena. They had Nick Nolenberger on their freaking broadcast. I saw that. Thanks. Like what? That's more media coverage than this team has ever had in the last seven years. So they're going to be just fine here. The arena, just from the pictures, I don't like the color. It's a little too gray for me. <laughs> but you know what? I'm going to be there on Friday, and I'm looking forward to it, and I hope to have rave reviews when I come back. Because just from the photos and everything, it looks pretty sleek. So color aside, I think it's, it's a, a bang-on win for this team and uh and for the city you know they get a secondary venue that not just for the barracuda but the figure skaters for example i mean they're planning on hosting the u.s national figure skating championships there at some point i'm assuming soon so not something that they need a seventeen thousand. i was gonna say because that for a long time was hosted at sap wasn't it yeah yeah absolutely and they they would get I think they would get like nine, 10,000. Mm-hmm. So it's actually going to create more demand because it's like, you only have 4,000 seats to get to, to, to sell here. So drive the prices up, get more people in and, and it'll be a great event. But, uh, I know, I, I, I think long-term they hope to do some NCAA stuff there, not just, uh, San Jose state, but I mean, like, well, I was going to make s- it a, a Western break. Go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, obviously San Jose state is going to be in there. Uh, you know, um, they, I, and we, you know, we covered it, you know, um, you know, Teal town put out a little thing uh, at the time it was announced, but you know, the AHL all-star game as well yep. uh, right. is coming, which is awesome. Um, you know, as you mentioned, the figure skating, but it's kind of even beyond that, even things that don't involve, you know, wearing ice skates, like, you know, any time say there's, you know, you know maybe uh, a maybe a comedian comes to town or kind of a smaller, you know, smaller kind of a operation. You know, maybe an improv show or magic show, variety show, that kind of stuff. With those sorts of of events, you can you can convince me that forty two hundred seats is more more of an appropriate audience size for something like that. And so it, I think it's going to open the door for events for the city just beyond the Barracuda and San Jose state. You know what I mean? It's going to, you know, truly be, I know, I feel like we hear the term, all right, multi-purpose arena, but I, I, I feel like it will. I feel, you know, like you said, Kevin, you know, having the SAP center be the size that it is, you know, it is a little, it can be a little bit daunting for some of your smaller performing groups. And so to have, yeah. you know, have something like this as an option, I think would be really cool. Maybe Kevin, I don't know. Maybe, maybe NXT Takeover San Jose goes there. <laughs> yeah. I okay. So on that note, because the TechCU Arena is going to be a block away from San Jose State facilities, mm-hmm. not campus, but facilities, right. it makes me wonder about the future of the San Jose State Event Center. Because that's similar size, and that is aging, aging, aging. So they do have this option, especially if they wanted to renovate it or rebuild the event center at some point. Um, They could at least uh, temporarily host some events there at TechCU Arena. So there's a lot of options uh, there, and I'm looking forward to skating on the ice. Like, honestly... That's the biggest thing I'm looking forward to in this upcoming season is getting the opportunity to skate there on on the Barracuda ice. Um, but it, I think it's really cool that 
San Jose can now host claim to having the largest recreational ice facility in all of North America, not not the U.S., not Canada, all of North America. That's right here in San Jose. So, yeah. And um, there's there's also a there's also a movement in the chat as well to have your league championship game be at TechCU. Oh, okay. (laughs) <laughs> so the problem, the problem, the problem is we got to get there, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's a movement in the uh, chat, but no, it, it's yeah, it, it, you know, and, and being, I'm Kevin, I'm sure you can relate to this, but like being from San Jose, like I always, you know, it, it's sort of a, like a sense of pride to be like, yeah, like that's my city. That's my hometown. Right. I mean, and so right, like exactly. to see, to see the, the city get to do something cool like this, you know, it's always kind of a good, like a good bump, you know? Exactly. And uh, one of my favorite things, sorry, and I know you want to say that one of my favorite things about the entire presser was seeing John Gustafson do the ceremonial puck drop with his two sons. Uh, just because John Gustafson has been like the mainstay, a heart yeah. and soul back end guy for all of San Jose hockey for the last, I think they said 23 years. I mean, he, he was a San Jose rhino. Uh, so I yeah. mean, his heart bleeds San Jose hockey. And so I think that was just fantastic to be able to see him get to do that with his family. I mean, the thing I'm looking forward to most from all of this is what are we going to blame for the crappy ice at SAP now? Cause the Barracuda <laughs> were the scapegoat for just the crap ice at SAP center, which apparently hasn't gotten much better with um, all the work they've um, done. Too much heat being generated from the new jumbotron overhead. It's going to melt the ice and make it choppy. Probably. That's what's going to happen maybe, there at SAP Center. I like that. You know, maybe, maybe if Bon Jovi comes to town again, we can do that. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, you know what? If Bon Jovi comes to town, we can't move to Texas Arena again. We're nev- we, this podcast will never forget... Bon Jovi ruining the Barracuda's franchise record winning 14 streak. game yep. hashtag blame Bon Jovi. <laughs> we'll never forget. Yeah, I think look at I mean obviously outsider outside looking and I think it's awesome it's obviously awesome for San Jose. It's it's awesome for the Barracuda to to have, you know, it's nice to play an arena with your own logo on the ice. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> <laughs> they can they can legitimately do pink in the rink now because right. all the other AHL teams paint their ice pink for pink in the rink for breast cancer awareness. They can finally do that and not have to worry about what's going on with the sharks. I, I think having a more intimate setting for them is going to be great. And again, like I just think you know it's it's a nice new arena, so obviously I think it's going to bring people in. This is the year. Like if you're want to jump on the Barracuda bandwagon, this is the this is the best year to do it ever since. I mean, this is. Again, I don't think that this is a Calder Cup winning team going into the the new arena, but they're going to be good. Like this is the most excited I've been about the Barracuda since oof, since they moved. Eighteen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's not that the 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 fan base isn't there in the deep playoff run. They drew eight thousand fans mm-hmm. at SAP Center. So. The fans are there. You just got to cater to them. And the moves that the Barracuda have made over the last 12 months have been fantastic. And I hope to see more of it. Okay. Dollar hot dogs. (laughs) Yeah. $2 hot dogs, $3 beers. All right. So something I did want to want to talk about one more thing, and then we'll get onto the ducks here. Um, Obviously now we know what all the Barracuda sweaters are going to look like. Um, So I, I, we never really talked about the Barracuda sweaters at all. So, um, first one I've got up is the black one, 
Um, here's the only thing I don't like about the black one. I, I, I understand that word print across the front's very USA hockey. So maybe I'm just a jerk. <laughs> right. I would just, I, I like, I like logos. I, I don't like mm-hmm. word print. Um, what are your guys thoughts on the black one? Overall, I like the black jersey. I like I, I actually think it's a nice jersey. I like the design, the the shoulder patches, the striping, I everything. Love the shoulder patches. Yeah, I I'm yeah. with you, Ian. I don't. I'm not a fan of the the crest, but it's not the reason that you're saying. And Kevin knows what I'm talking about. I hate the word Cuda mm. so much. And I and now would Barracuda look better there? Probably not. No. But I just, I don't, it just reminds me of like when the lightning had that Jersey that said bolts. It's like, you're not like, that's not your team name. I just punched a metal chair right now. <laughs> Cause jerk took every word out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, you know, and, and again, if it said Barracuda, does that make it better? I don't know. I don't think so. So I'm with you on that front. I think it should be a logo, but my, ire comes from not liking the word cuda no i'm i'm with you on that i don't know i don't know what it is but if you ever follow me on twitter at kevin lacy 22 almost every time i will write out the word barracuda the only time i will ever just write cuda is because i've run out of characters Mm -hmm. i need those extra five characters i I I can't do it. So for me, I'm with you on that. I'm not a big fan of how bland the sleeves are, the Mm -hmm. the arms are. I think the one single stripe on there uh, is leaves a lot to be desired. It will help having numbers, jersey numbers on the sleeves as well, though. That'll that'll make it a little more prominent there. Um, but I would be a huge hypocrite and I, you know, I don't want to talk bad about the Barracuda here, but I would be a huge hypocrite. If I said those Tampa Bay bolts jerseys freaking suck. And then say, Oh, these Cuda jerseys are great because they're the Barracuda. <laughs> right. No, it just the, these jerseys, you will not, you will not see me wearing one of these. And it's not because it's black. It's for all the reasons that you just said. Plus, the sleeves drive me nuts. So, Shoulder patches are awesome, the though. Shoulder patches I, are great. Yeah, I, 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 I would be torn. Like, if I was going to buy, a, if I was going to buy a Barracuda sweaters, which I do want to do at some point, this would be the last one that I would buy. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing, and, and I don't know if this means anything. Maybe it's just timing or whatever. But, you know, the white jersey and the steel jersey which obviously we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. the releases were for those you know the pictures they sent out were like really beautiful pictures that really accentuated how awesome those jerseys are and then with this it kind of looks like it's like oh snap a picture with your iphone and get it on the twitter like why didn't this get (laughs) why didn't this jersey get a nice photo Mm. (laughs) i guess it's hard to make black stand out though that's the only thing but you're right you're absolutely right if anything, what they did with the black jersey was they showed a teal stripe. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. only teal stripe that you can find on the whole jersey. That's what they showed. That's right, yeah. So it, it didn't meet the expectations for me on that. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, that brings us to the white sweater, uh, which 
I like. I like this a lot. The only thing, again, the only thing, my, my only issue with this sweater is, again, the logo. Like, I would use the logo that's on the steel sweater. Like, if that was on this one, sold mm-hmm. in a second. Absolutely. You know, I thought that with the CUDA on the black jersey and the SJ on its own on the ice jersey, mm-hmm. I thought that the steel jersey was only going to have the fish logo, <laughs> which I which I would have hated. I would have hated that mm-hmm. because as much as Jerk knows, I love the orange jerseys. I love the orange jerseys with the SJ and the fish on it. I really thought there was way too much orange on the last rendition that only had the fish logo. So I was worried that that's what they were going to do with the steel jerseys. I think the SJ is the big detriment to the ice jersey. Otherwise, even though I'm not the biggest fan of the teal shoulders, mm-hmm. I can live with that. I love the striping on this. There's, Me too. <laughs> there's not just one stripe. There's four. <laughs> so there's plenty of striping, but I think it looks fantastic. I, I, I think the font choice that they chose on both jerseys, the, the ice and the steel, was great. Um, I I really like the, the ice jersey especially. Even despite the SJ, I think that's the one I'll go with. Mm-hmm. But I will reserve judgment for when i see them in person that's fair you know i i'm gonna disagree well first things first kevin i thought you said that you were expecting the steel jersey to say barra on the front um, <laughs> <laughs> i you know i'm, I'm uh, why not country <laughs> right exactly but i'm i am gonna disagree with you on the crest i actually okay i understand that the sj by itself it's not something that everybody likes i understand that but I think the fact that it's predominantly teal, to your point, there has been, and I'm not, I'm not going to comment on the jersey, but there has been a, what I would say too much orange in the past. And so <laughs> I think this is nice. A little bit of orange is perfect, but nice predominantly teal I think is good. But, you know, as we, as we talked about before, you know, it's this whole, you know, sort of the, the, the renovations to the arena new jersey new identity all that kind of stuff like it feels it almost feels bigger than just being an ahl hockey team like it feels like yeah like this is your you know your commoners team you know like the the you know they're they're for san jose you know it's just it's for the people kind of thing and and i like that but i also i just i like having you know all three jerseys they all have a different crest and i love that because we've talked about it you know, where AHL jerseys, it's pretty much, you know, take the NHL jersey, switch the patches, and call it a day. And so to have to have jerseys that are completely different than the Sharks, but then to also have completely different logos and fonts and everything, I love it. I I love all three of these. Now, you know, my fiancé would get mad at me if I bought all three of them, so I'm going to have to pick one. But... I or think, two. Or, or three. I don't know. But, <laughs> or two. But, like, they're all awesome in their own way, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, three unique, truly unique jerseys, right. sweaters, that still are able to identify that this is the Sharks franchise, the Sharks uh, farm club. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think it's great. I like the striping. Well, overall, I think it's great. There are things that I nitpick mostly with the black jersey, but there are things that I'll nitpick about all three of them. 
but overall, I, I, I think it's a win. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I agree with what Dirk said. Like, I, I like that these are different looking from the parent club sweaters. They're not just new patches on the shark sweater. I like the striping. I like, I just, I don't know. Like, I've, it's pretty unique, right? Now, I like that these sweaters are not only are they not just a copy of the the NHL club with different patches. Like, it just they just look unique in general. Um, yeah. which brings us to the new, uh, the new steel ones that were released today. I love these. Yep. Absolutely love these. Um, would you, would you say best of the three? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If, if I'm buying one, like this is the one that I want. The only, mm-hmm. I like, yeah, I just, I like it. Um, the only thing that I would maybe, maybe do a little differently is instead of having the sharks logo on both shoulders, throw the fin on one of them but like the yeah. fin logo like the old fin mm-hmm. logo but other than that like that's and that, that's really nitpicky um i love <laughs> these i love yeah. i love the logo like i really like that logo with the fish i'm a big like i said i'm a big logo guy um so i like the the fish logo i like it i agree i i, I think this is the best of the three and it's kind of it's almost kind of the you know, a, a, a perfect amalgamation of, of what we've all kind of wanted to see differently. You know, Kevin, you know, Kevin wanted to see the logo, the full logo. Well, there you have it, you know, and, and it's got, you know, I'm a big fan. You know, I understand white jerseys, but like, I just, I don't know. I feel like there's almost no reason to purchase a white jersey because everybody wants the color of the team to wear it right but i but i think so i think this is nice this is a good sort of meet in the middle because gray is a solid color Mm -hmm. and and you know it's but it's not white and so i think this will attract people to it as well and just the stripes i mean to your point you know on the last one like the stripes are really nice and and we've seen them before but it's not like this style of striping but it's not something we see all the time yeah and so i i love it as i said i think this is the best of the three and you know, when uh, this is this is not an ad, but you know they are available for pre-order, so I might have to, <laughs> you know, poke on over and and kind of kind of put some eyes on something because this is this is really sharp. Yeah, for me, go ahead. Sir. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, if uh, you're gonna do great, this is how you do it properly, not like the reverse retro. The reverse retro is such garbage. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh, yeah. Oh yeah. This jersey all day over the reverse retro, which I was never never into to begin with um but and i i heard they're doing a reverse retro two which mm-hmm. i can't get behind but uh, my my nitpick on this gray jersey is that you've got that teal on the shoulders that really stands out mm-hmm. i would have liked the top stripe to be a teal to be a teal stripe rather than a white stripe like i feel like there's a little bit too much of that that gray gradient uh from the shoulders down um but this is the jersey for me this is the second best jersey um but this is the jersey that if i see it in person i have a feeling i'm gonna say okay all right you got me you got me because i said i had the same opinion about the the sharks black jersey the dan boyle era sharks black jersey i was like it's all right it's decent and then i saw it in person i went give me give me give me and i feel like the gray jersey is gonna be like that the only other thing for me like i said i would like more color in the building now you've got gray jerseys a gray arena gray seats gray 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 like yeah it's your identity i mean it's your color now it's just it's not flashy that's the only thing so 
the Barracuda are preparing for a great season. There you go. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> what, but the silver. The only thing is, the Silver Knights also have gray jerseys. So right. it. That's the one thing. What are our thoughts on no teal sweater? I'm fine with it. Like I love teal. Don't get me wrong. Like teal is my favorite color. Um, mm. But I'm I'm fine with it because again, it gives them a unique. Uh, it gives them their own identity, which I think is such a huge part especially this year like because this year the sharks would be bad I, I i would want to be as little associated with the parent club as humanly possible this <laughs> season. that's fair <laughs> and and, and I, tiger the teal jersey no teal jerseys it, it's gonna take some time getting used to mm-hmm. but <clears throat> at some point they'll roll out a teal jersey totally. i have there's, no doubt there's no way they won't and and tiger also saying we will see a drunken Lacey at the arena in this jersey in two months. <laughs> Section 217, row two. There you go. <laughs> there you have it. Go find them. Right. So, yeah, I mean, Nick like, Chichek, I look at that. If you're listening, go find them. Nick Chichek is going to, I'm going to end up getting hit by an errant puck off a crossbar. Have you, have you, it's, I, I feel bad, but it's become like a daily mention in the Discord. Have you seen that? <laughs> I have, I have seen it. I don't hate Nick Chichek. There are just a lot of things that uh, way too much is made of Nick Chichak. That's all I'm going to say. But I don't hate him. I like him. I think he's got good offensive potential. Uh, I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, yeah. I mean, if, <laughs> and if you want to be a part of the fun in the Teal uh, Town USA Discord, you should talk to Mr. Hockey underscore jerk on the Twitter machine. and He will get you guys sorted out. Uh, assuming I'm on Twitter, I've actually been trying to stay off Twitter this summer, but. But assume it, but yeah, but if I'm there, you know, yeah, I'll hook you up <laughs> for sure. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, which brings us to the main event of tonight's show, which is our Anaheim Ducks preview. Uh, let me give you a current rundown of the Anaheim Mighty Ducks, or they're not the Mighty Ducks anymore. Jesus Christ, Ian. They're certainly not mighty. I'm already going to tell you, I picked them seventh in the division. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I just called them the Mighty Ducks. Apparently it's 1990 again. Um, all right, so the uh, Mighty Ducks, <laughs> I'm just going to call them Mighty Ducks the rest of the show. Just, forget it. They're the Mighty Ducks. I don't care. The, the Mighty Ducks is way better than Ducks, let's be honest. All right, the Ducks. They have $43,076,667 in uh, their, is that, that is their current cap hit, sorry, which leaves them with a projected uh, cap space of 49023333 which means that... If you think that this team is bad, they can only get worse. And they can do it in a spectacular fashion. Um, the outs. Uh, Sonny Milano, as we mentioned earlier, uh, Sam Steele, both not given uh, qualifying offers. Uh, Zach Austin Reese is out. Vinny Letary is out. Uh, Jerry Mayhew is out. Dominic Simon and defenseman Andre Schuster. In Ryan Strom, Frank Vitrano, John Klingberg, and everyone's the internet's favorite defenseman, Oyoyoyi, <laughs> <laughs> who nearly died last year at uh, Canucks uh, training camp. Oh, jeez, that was that's my favorite thing. Was just like <laughs> they were just doing like skates and like Oyoyoyi's like dying in the corner. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that's... for the Canucks might do that to you. Okay. <laughs> 
Um, Jakob Silverberg is listed on the IR, and as far as I could tell, I went and did some digging around. Looks like questions are remaining on his status for the start of the season. So let's uh, talk about the Ducks. Obviously, again, um, some interesting guys that they let walk um, as uh, restricted free agents, which I think surprised. I was surprised by Sonny Milano getting walked. Um, I think Sonny Milano never turned into the player I thought he was going to turn into when he was mm-hmm. drafted, but I thought he found himself like a good second life in Anaheim. Um, Car- career year this year. Yeah, like I just, you know, he really gets one of those players where like a change in scenery just does the body good. Um, I like, like all their additions I really like. The thing that I don't understand about this team, and maybe it's because I've rated this team higher than maybe I should, but like this is a team where John Gibson is a guy that looks like they still want to trade. And when you look at Pat Verbeek, GM, um, he doesn't, he is not uh, high on his own team as I am on a team that I really dislike. Uh, which kind of surprised me because I feel like he's of the mind that this rebuild is, I don't want to say nowhere near finished, but n- maybe not as close as people thought they were. Yeah. Is that fair? I think it's absolutely fair. I think Pat Verbeek has really done a lot of head rolling this summer. And uh, Milano, I thought, was a shoe in to get a contract and he didn't and actually still still hasn't as far as i'm aware right um so yeah he he gutted the farm system mm-hmm. and and put roy sommer as their head coach <laughs> that's right i forgot uh, about that so yeah so uh there's a lot still left to be desired with the ducks and there's i think a lot more movement coming this ducks team i feel like is almost in a way like a mirror of the Sharks roster in that there's a lot of bottom six players and uh, they're younger than the Sharks, I think, overall. My my opinion, they're younger overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're going to be looking, they bring in guys like Frank Vitrano, Ryan Strom, the, the pieces who are here now so that when the Ducks can start moving forward, they'll be solidly uh ingrained in the ducks culture um but there's a lot of players who i think are going to have to prove themselves this year just like the sharks and so that's why i rank the ducks as low as uh i have yeah it's 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 really interesting to me just uh, to your point it, it almost seems like there's a conflicting sort of narrative on where the ducks are at i think you know i don't i don't think they're going to be um you know really challenging for the playoff spot i'm with kevin uh you know i have them being in seventh as well and i did refer to our show from last week you know uh the kraken i said they were in six so we're good there i don't know yeah, if you, i don't yeah. know if you saw kevin but i said last week that i was gonna say every team was gonna be six i the division. i did see that yes <laughs> um but so I, I i don't anticipate them to even really challenge for a playoff spot but they're they're close. I definitely think they're closer than the Sharks, to tell you what. But I just I, I, I see what you mean, Kevin, talking about getting them ingrained into the system by the time they're ready to compete. But it just you bring in Strom, you bring in Vitrano, you bring in a John Klingberg, you know, Klingberg. three veteran players, three good veteran players who 
are probably at the point where they want to start, th- you know, they're all, you know, 28, 29, 30, but probably want to start thinking about a Stanley Cup. And they come in and they sign, you know, in the case of Stroman Vetrano, they sign multi-year deals, but then you turn around and, you know, you let Sonny Milano go and you want to trade John Gibson. And there's a lot of sort of wishy-washiness going on with Max Comtois which I don't understand that either. And so it's just, it feels like there's there's a lot of sort of conflicting narratives going on right now where like one day they're close and then the next day they're nowhere near. It's an identity crisis. That's why Ian doesn't know whether they're the Mighty Ducks or the Ducks. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I do wonder, and I did, Kevin, I did want to get your opinion on it, but like what, you know, what do you think is the story like with Max Comtois? Obviously he was really really good like that you know i i call it the hub year you know the the hub division year and then last year you know he's injured and he's getting healthy scratched and you know to me if the ducks obviously the ducks have mctavish they have troy terry they have zegris but if they want to move forward like to me comtois is just as important and so i don't really know what the story there is um, i almost wonder if max comtois is replicating Sonny milano's career in columbus yeah, could where be. maybe Comtois needs a, a fresh start here. Ian, what do you think? It's yeah. I mean, I I don't know what to make of that. And I'm looking at like, and I'm just I'm looking at this team, right? And I'm looking at like this forward group. Like this forward group, the one thing that you can say about it is they've got a lot of flexibility in their forward group. Not mm-hmm. a lot of long term deals, other than the deal that they signed for Ryan Strom, like. That's the longest deal they have on the books in their forward group. Frank Vetrano's the next one with three years. But other than that, it's one, two-year deals. So he's going to have a lot of flexibility to change the look of this roster pretty quickly. Now, I'm not saying they're going to get rid of all these guys, obviously, right? Like, a lot of these guys, they're going to need to take steps to be, you know, I think, like, look, at they've got one of the most dynamic players in the league and in Trevor Zegers. And obviously he's going to be there for the long haul. Um, but like this forward group, other than that though, like it doesn't really scare me either, but again, you know, and, and their defense, the same thing, you know, uh, Cam Fowler is the longest signed guy. Um, you know, and they're not really hobbled. The other thing that I, I like about the Ducks, too, is they're not really hobbled by a ton of no move or like no trades. They're not hobbled by no moves at all. Like everyone has no trades. Now, are those conditional no trades with probably, you know, minimal amount of terms that they can go to? Probably. But I mean, again, I just I still think this team should be better. Like I think Pat Verbeek should think this team is in better shape than it is. When you're talking about the defense, mm-hmm. my big takeaway on that is so poor John Gibson has just been yeah. bludgeoned over the last two seasons. Hanging in the first half of the season, being an all star type goalie the first half of the season, and then he peters out the second half because he's having to make 45 saves every single night yep. because the defense can't stop anything in Anaheim. And this defense group right now still seems very one dimensional in terms of they're all offensive defensemen. Mm-hmm. Who's going to provide the actual defense on this defense core like John Klingberg's a a cool signing for them I think because what Hockey Jerk said about like 
why would these players not be shooting for cup aspirations, for example? Uh, John Klingberg, yeah, you'd think he'd be right there. And instead, he takes a one-year deal with Anaheim. Now, it's only a one-year deal. And what I think about it that's cool for the Ducks is they get one year, kind of like Taylor Hall in Buffalo that one year. They went horribly wrong. <laughs> uh, John, John Klingberg gets an opportunity to see how he likes Anaheim. Anaheim gets to see how well he fits in and whether he can bring a defensive style to his game uh, as well. Um, it bides more time for Jamie Drysdale to eventually become the number, uh, the first pair offensive defenseman. Uh, but if it doesn't work out, the Ducks trade him and they get more assets as part of their rebuild. So I think it's a, a win by the Ducks in that regard. But overall, I don't. I don't know if I can really be excited about the the Ducks, but they're going to probably drive a lot of their offense from the back end and Trevor Zegers and Troy Terry and Vitrano. But they don't have a lot of offensive depth in their forwards and they don't have a lot of defensive depth in their defense. So I don't know where they're going. Yeah, it, it is very interesting. I do want to throw it out there. I don't know if you guys saw, but... Uh, breaking news, Phil Kessel, one-year deal to the Golden Knights. <laughs> okay. Uh, How do they make that cap The cap fit? isn't real. We've, we've I'm no, sure it's, it's, uh, it's one and a half million dollars. But uh, Okay, I figured it was about but that. That's, right? but, and you know what, kind of going back to our conversation earlier, and then obviously we'll get back on the Ducks, but like, that's, to me, that's kind of the those sort of guys that a team like Vegas should be targeting. Guys who have yep. skill, but they're not going to command a yeah. lot of money this year. So yeah. I think... You know, I I know it's it's the fun thing, it's the easy thing to hate Vegas, but if you're a if you're a roster building guru, I think you appreciate this deal. I do. Yeah. Cool. I just wanted I just to put laugh it out because there. I I just laughed because I forgot Phil Castle was still on the market. Yeah, took him long but, enough. But yeah, um, yeah. But what are your thoughts on John Gibson though? Because I think this is like the the looming shadow of right. this team this year, and they do have Dostal in the minors, mm -hmm. and Stolarz had a pretty good year last year, even though I'm not a big fan of his per se. But the the looming shadow for me is what's going to happen with John Gibson. I thought, and we even we even talked about it mm -hmm. um, on a show that we did. I don't even remember. it was this this version of teal tinted glasses i know that much but where we basically said okay the ducks are probably going to trade john gibson or at least they want to trade john gibson i thought before edmonton inside jack campbell i thought that's where john gibson was going to end up mm -hmm. was in edmonton and i thought it was going to be you know anaheim would take stewart skinner back because to your point kevin they don't really have the deepest goalie uh pool and you I think know, Destal can do I, it. Yeah, but I, like, I like Destal. I, I do. I do sure. like Destal. But it, but it doesn't hurt to have multiple options for sure. Oh. What I'm saying, right? And I think, or or six if you're the Sharks, <laughs> right? And I just wonder, like, it just, I don't know. As I said earlier, it's just very weird to me. Like, I think I, and I know he's he's had a brutal couple of years, but I still think John Gibson is one of the best goalies in the league right now he's easily in the top 10 but you know i i think he i put him on the same level as a connor hellebuck both really good goalies and it just goes back to what i said a few minutes ago like what are the ducks doing like are they gonna try and make the playoffs are they not because regardless of what you think your timeline is and you know who you're signing and who you're training for like it doesn't make much sense for the ducks to hold on to john gibson if you know 
it happens to be the day that Pat Verbeek wakes up and thinks the ducks are not close at all. And I don't know. I, I, I kind of feel like at this point it's going to be another year of John Gibson's stats cratering mm-hmm. because the team in front of him is just not very good. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. Yeah, I mean... As a Sharks fan, I am, but... I I have to enjoy someone else's misery. Um, <laughs> John Gibson, to me, like, here's the issue with John Gibson, right? Is like, and I wonder if, if this is going to take longer than they think. Um, then, like, you know, John Gibson's 29 now. Like, he's not getting any younger. And right. I just wonder, like... Aging curves for goalies suck. There's There's... A lot of goalies, you know, once once they hit that 30 and they get over 30, that is where a lot of guys get off the bus. Uh, as far as being, like, you know, elite starting goaltenders. And I just wonder, yeah. like, yeah. if you don't, if you keep him, is he still going to be John Gibson when this thing turns around? Or worse, if you don't move him, do you lose what little value goalies have because let's be honest like nhl goalies don't get traded for a whole lot in general especially at the deadline the deadline they move for nothing yeah well after ryan miller got traded for all those picks uh that one year right it's like all uh, teams all vowed to never do that ever again (laughs) so you're right so I, i i just like and i love john gibson i think john gibson's a hell of a goalie same but I, you know, I, I still worry as that age gets up there with, I just wonder, you know, again, is, is he the guy that's going to be there when this is over? I'm not sold. I just kind of feel like if the plan is to trade Gibson that, you know, they miss their chance. Like if I'm, if I'm Pat Verbeek, I'm looking at all these teams that need a goalie and I'm saying, Hey, don't stress yourself out with free agency. Just trade for my guy. Yeah. And Again, I just feel like the time has passed and, I don't know, another year of the Ducks just being in a, I don't want to say purgatory, but just kind of a weird place. You know who it sounds like? Brent Burns. (sighs) Right. Yeah, I mean, because the thing is, like you said, Ian, John Gibson's a really good goalie, but what if another year of the Ducks being brutally defensive in front of him completely craters his numbers and a Mm -hmm. team buys him for, forget pennies on the dollar, like, (laughs) you know, like quarters of a penny and you know eighths of a penny on the dollar like you talk about a guy whose value has completely plummeted not by his own fault you know what i mean Mm -hmm. the the only thing that worries me too with john gibson when you want to move him right like he is he might be the guy that's signed for the longest um yeah next to ryan strome john gibson's the guy they have signed the longest so i think like as well like we mentioned off the top like the ducks have a ton of cap space to use but i you know eventually look at trevor zegris is going to get a huge deal right so you don't want to be moving a guy like john gibson you have signed for another five years and then like eating a massive cap hit for john gibson for the next five years depending on how long you think this this is going to go and you know and you know what so comtois terry zegris and drysdale all need new deals next summer Correct. And like, like Trevor Zegers is going to ring the bell, let's be honest. Yeah, so Troy Terry oh, probably sure. will as well. 
Terry having a career year last year, finally breaking out. Uh, if he stays with Trevor Zegras there, um, yeah, he'll get paid as well. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, Ian, the Ducks have the room to to pay him out. It's just that that internal thing about how they don't give out large salaries and and all that jazz. Yeah, it's gonna be um, it's gonna be fascinating to to see because I think like Trevor Zegras, I think is. I think he gets talked about enough, but I feel like it, could you imagine if he was in a market that's not Anaheim? Like how much bigger would he be? Well, uh, well, and I, I literally saw a tweet today. You know, uh, he was taken one pick after Philip Broberg. Imagine him on a line with McDavid. Oh. <laughs> 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 Hey, and Trevor Zegas, congratulations, because it leaked out that he is the new is. cover guy yep. on NHL 23, along with Sarah Nurse. Which is awesome. And uh, so that's even more uh, more Skrilla for, for Zegras there. And reigning in the new error. Era? Era? Error? <laughs> the error? The new error in Anaheim. So... Yeah, for tongue and if you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, watch the Barracuda video. <laughs> um, all right, so talking about the future, obviously with the Anaheim Ducks. Um, look at this team. This is a team that's loaded with prospects: uh, Mason McCavish, Jacob Perot, Jamie Drysdale, who are you know still a guy that I would still put on that list. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Sasha Pastajov, um, Pavel Mintikov, and. Bogru, and then again, and we mentioned uh, Dostal there too, which I think is who I think is going to be a, a guy. Like, so this is a team that's flush with prospects. Um, you look at their draft picks again; a ton of draft picks. They got their first. They have their second. They have Boston second. They have Colorado second. They have their third, Minnesota's third, a fourth, a fifth, and a sixth. Um, so obviously they've got <laughs> for now for now. And that could only, again, that could only get better. Right. Um, I mean, again, so, I mean, like there's the future looks good. I think when you look at this team though, I think something that I think them gutting their development system was probably something they needed to do though, because I feel like the ducks have had a lot of prospects who, we've on this show in previous years have been like, Oh man, yeah, that's going to be a guy. That's going to be a guy. And outside of a few, a lot, like I feel like they've had serious issues with developing their top prospects. That you're bang on. And I know this goes back to when Bob Murray was the GM, yeah. uh, Bob Murray even wanted to have heads roll down in the farm system. And he tried a couple of things, but it didn't, it didn't work out. But I know he put a lot of stock in the all the kids that we talked about mm-hmm. in previous years and very little panned out. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so that's something that I think, you know, it's it's a good thing to have prospects. But, you know, and, I, and I've said this a billion times, too, right? Like you can make all the right picks, but if you can't develop those players, then you know it's it's one half of the it's one half of the equation and i think it's something that this is why i was so hard on the sharks development because i feel like the sharks for a long time were in a similar situation where you know i'm not saying they've never developed anybody but i think (laughs) some of the players they've you know some of the guys that 
I think they've made decent picks and then they just couldn't turn around and develop them. And I, I think the Anaheim Ducks had that problem maybe a little bit worse when you look at them, because I think, again, like you look at some of the, the players they picked and maybe maybe some of it was picking the wrong guy. It'd be interesting to go back and really do a deep dive on that. But yeah, I think, you know, um, gutting your development system is probably something that I think Anaheim had to do. Um, putting Roy Sommer there doesn't inspire confidence, but, um, you know, well, but it was and, something and, I think they had to do. And you know what? Even look at the guys that have flourished uh, into really nice players since leaving Anaheim. Mm-hmm. I mean, she, like, you know, so everybody can say how they knew. Oh, I knew Shea Theodore was good when, you know, he was on the San Diego goals. But, like, the reason why Anaheim... Hey, wait a minute. I did know that. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. E- even though we are all Kevin, not everybody is Kevin. <laughs> You know, okay. <laughs> like, you know, the, yeah, you know, they the reason why part of the reason why they felt so comfortable giving him up to the Golden Knights was because, you know, in my estimation, they'd felt like he had plateaued and they had a handful of defensemen above him who were better. And you look at Marcus Pedersen, they traded Marcus Pedersen for Daniel Sprong. Pedersen looks really good for Pittsburgh. Daniel Sprong, I think, is barely in the NHL at this point. I believe uh, he's he, not. I was going to say, I believe he's either signed to deal with the Kraken or was on the Kraken, but oh, he's he was not. on the Kraken. Yeah, he's gone. Year, but he's yeah, so anymore. exactly. Like, guys who have had to leave the Ducks organization in order to flourish, in order to have a better career. And I'm and I'm sure you can find other examples of it as well. So, to your point, Ian, I, it, it seems like, you know, maybe on the outside, you know, some might say, wow, it's a bit rash to completely gut your farm system. But based on the evidence, you know, it's like you said, it's probably exactly what was needed to, you know, get things back on track. Yeah. And, and that's the one thing I'm glad you brought up like Jay theater though, because like, I think that was the one thing that they did pretty decently was that was kind of like their calling card was like, kind of like Nashville. Like we can, we can, we can do defensemen. defensemen it was farm. a farm forever. It was, it was, yeah, it was, it was an absolute farm for defensemen for NHL defensemen for a long time. I think that's the one thing they got right. I think it was just on the forward side where things didn't really work out as much as they uh, wanted to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, so, I mean, which brings us to the question, are the Ducks on the right or wrong path? I, I, I don't know what path they're on. That's the problem I have with the team. <laughs> I don't know what path they're on. Like there's, there's things where I think, again, like I think gutting their development system was probably something that was long overdue, but then you bring in my summer and I'm not a big fan of that move for anyone. Honestly. Um, again, there's, they have some really good players in their, their prospect pool. Um, it's just an issue of getting those guys to prime time. I think if, if, if these guys turn out, if some of these guys turn out the way they, they should, and especially with some of like the depth of prospects, I think they have like, again, this is, this, this should be a team on the come up. I just, don't know if they're as confident in that as I am. <laughs> maybe you should be their GM. I, maybe I should be. Hey, I, when the ducks, when the ducks came up for who to rank in the division, I thought I was going to be ranking them right around fifth. And then when I looked at their roster and and the moves they made, and kind of they kind of went backwards in a way. And th- I guess they did go backwards because I dropped them two spots in in my ranking there. Uh, but you're absolutely right. Like, which direction are they going? Up, down? It, it's like Pat Verbeek is doing a rebuild 
of the Ducks rebuild. Yeah. Like they were already starting to rebuild. And then when he came in, he's like, I already don't like how this is going. <laughs> so uh, it, I'm going to borrow a line from one of my favorite movies, History of the World Part One, oh. where it's like Pat Verbeek is there, says, you men go to the left. You men go to the right. I'm going to stand around here and walk in a cycle. <laughs> That's the ducks. Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think of in a year they're going to be on the right path, but right now they're just teetering. Hockey jerk are the are are the do the ducks have their ducks in a row? I you know what I know I was a bit um, I was a bit bearish earlier on them just because it it seemed like they were trying to similar to what I said with the Kraken it seemed like they were trying to have their cake and eat it too where they wanted to have good players but also like trade away other good players for future assets. I the only reason I say the Ducks are on the right track is because you know in in not choosing a direction they've not made the wrong choice they've made no choice. You know, and so I think by that logic, yeah. And, you know, they, they have, you know, they're in a good position where, say, you know, say their hot start last year actually continues through the whole season and they're a good team. They have draft pick capital to make themselves better. Say it's completely awful, like we all think it will be, and they end up in seventh place. They can trade Klingberg. They can trade Shattenkirk. They can trade Max Comtois if they want to, or they can trade Derek Grant for the third time and <laughs> uh, and acquire more future assets that way. Prospects, picks, maybe even young NHL players. Like I feel the Ducks, they haven't made their choice yet, but I, I feel like either way, I feel like they're going to make the right choice. Like whatever they choose, it'll obviously, you know, it, it, it's not like it's not like the shark the Sharks choosing to be competitive when they have like the worst team in franchise history. Like I literally think whatever the ducks choose will be the right choice because they have the pieces to do both. I feel like, yeah. And, and, you know, and to kind of just conclude on that thought for me, like I, there's, there's a foundation there. I think at least like, at least they have a foundation to build off of, which is less than I can say for other teams that are in similar situations as they are. Um, where do they finish? I mean, to me, this team, I guess seventh to me, I think I said, I pretty sure I said Seattle six. Yes. Yeah. We both did. Yeah. So I, this, As did they're I. seven, they've, they're, they're number seven to me. I think, I think them and the sharks are going to be in a race to the bottom of the Pacific. You know what though? Ducks swim on top of the water. That's true. Sharks swim in the water. That's true. I still think they're on a the race to the water. bottom. Like I, I, I don't know. It's it's hard, right? Because I look at this roster and I'm like, are they better than the sharks? Like, there's definitely pieces that I like, but yeah, I don't. I I, I'm not confident that like I I I can definitely see a world where the Anaheim Ducks finish worse than the Sharks. Yes. See. Uh, yeah, I could too, but you know what? At the same time, I, I think if you're comparing the Sharks and the Ducks, I think their depth is very similar, mm-hmm. but I think the Ducks' elite talent is significantly better than the Sharks. Yeah. And I think that'll prove to be the difference. You know, if Terry and Zegris and Drysdale, you know, if those guys, um, 
you know, even, you know, maybe Mason McTavish gets a full year. Mm -hmm. If those guys carry the water for the Ducks, yeah, they're going to miss the playoffs, but it's going to be like this past year where they're still in the hunt around the All-Star break. If those guys, if they hit a rookie wall or if they're not there yet or if they don't progress, I think we'll know by Canadian Thanksgiving that they're not going to be a good team. Yeah, I, I think it all comes down to I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna stick with seventh, but I can see I can see a world where they can finish where they could be an eighth. Um, they're because to me they're a John Gibson injury away from eighth. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think they're also oh, a they're also a John Gibson hot run away from sixth or fifth. Sure. Yeah. Then I think that's absolutely I think, fair. I think that's all fair. Absolutely. Um, since you mentioned Mason McTavish, jerk. We didn't even have this on our rundown tonight, mm-hmm. and our show is already running very long, like we always do. How about that goal line save by Masik McTavish <laughs> in overtime of the gold medal game? That was my yeah. word. That was. <laughs> I that was think that the three-on-three twenty-minute overtime is like the greatest idea in the history of hockey. I wish everyone would do it because I think it's just fun. I still only needed like three minutes, but. <laughs> It was, my word, what a stop. I remember twice, I think, Patrick Marlowe had goal line saves out of the air mm-hmm. in overtime, but not on the stage that Mason McTavish just did it on a World no. Junior Championships gold medal game. And then for Canada to go the other way and two plays later score the the winning goal, Kent Johnson. Yeah. Uh, that was a great goal too. Hell of a sequence. Way to stick with it. So like, <laughs> wow. Yeah, I was I was really bummed. Um, I was really bummed when the U.S. got upside by Czechia, just because like after everything Bordalo had gone to to get there, I like I didn't want him to get gold because I'm Canadian. So f you guys. But <laughs> but I would have liked to have seen him at least medal after everything he went through to finally get to the World Juniors to get upset in the quarters like that and leave empty-handed. That kind of bummed me out for him a little bit. Yeah, well, he can just win a cup in San Jose in many years from now. So, (laughs) Um, Just a couple quick things around the division here. Um, The San Jose Sharks, again, signed Nazem Kadri. Good for them. No. Yeah. Uh, He signed with the Calgary Flames. Seven years, seven million AAV. Um, What? When? (laughs) Before your website said it was with the Sharks. Oh, Uh, oh, okay. uh, In a corresponding move, Calgary traded Sean Monaghan in a conditional 2025 first round pick. And these conditions, I wish I had, like, I should have grabbed, like, a roll of toilet paper or something so I could, like, drop it in front of the camera and to give you an idea of how long this list of conditions is. Uh, To the Montreal Canadiens, for my personally, my very most favorite player in the league, future considerations. Um,. I, I could read through this, but I'm not going to. I have, I have kind of a summed up, and I'm hoping that the summed up is, is going to be better. Because if I read this, I swear to God, this show is going to be another 45 minutes. And yeah. I don't think we'll be any smarter for it. Um, <laughs> so the conditions. One, if Calgary's 2024 first-round pick is between 20 and 32, Montreal can take that pick instead. Scenario. <laughs> if Calgary receives Florida's 2025 first-round pick, both Calgary and Florida's and if Calgary and Florida's picks are not in the top 10, Montreal will receive the better of the Calgary and Florida 2025 first round picks. If Calgary's pick is in the top 10 and Florida's pick is not in the top 10, 
Montreal receives Florida's pick. Scenario number two. In the event Calgary does not receive Florida's first round pick. Uh, number one. If Calgary's pick is not in the top 10, Montreal will receive the Calgary pick. If Florida's pick is not in the top 10 and is the better pick than Calgary's and was transferred to another team due to prior conditions, Montreal will also take Calgary's 2024 fourth round pick. If Calgary's pick, number three, sorry, if Calgary's pick is first overall, Montreal will receive Calgary's 2025 third and the better of Calgary's and Florida's 2026 first round pick. Number four. If Calgary's pick is second to 10th, Montreal received Calgary's 2025 first round pick. Are we confused? Solve for why. <laughs> Are we confused? Hey, um, let me say this. I'm glad it was Calgary and Montreal who did this and not the Vegas Golden Knights because you know they'd be screwing that one up. <laughs> oh my goodness. I know. Like, just. <laughs> They, I think Cap Friendly had like just the, the actual list of like the conditions with all like the legal ramblings with it. It's it's honestly yeah. it's bigger than our notes for this show. It's just dumb. Um, earlier in the show, um, Phil Kessel apparently got signed by the Vegas Golden Knights one point one point five at uh, one year. I'm uh, I guess Phil Kessel. I mean Phil Kessel's been a guy who's been incredibly durable i know i saw aj in the chat bring up that like he's got one of, i think the longest iron man streaks in the nhl so i think it's a good sign for for a team that cannot stay healthy it's it's a good signing i like phil kessel i think that he's a guy who probably i mean look at the the road in front of phil kessel is much shorter than there you know is obviously much shorter than the road behind him at this point in his career so i think i don't I think taking a, a a swing on going to Vegas. I think Vegas is going to be an interesting team this year. I'm not 100% sold they're a playoff team, but I think they can be. Like they they should be. It's going to be fascinating to see what they do in goal and how that works out for them. Um, I don't know. I mean, good for him. Yeah, I I think. I, I think this is a good signing for Vegas. Like I said earlier, you know, the the Golden Knights, they need bodies who are inexpensive and talented. Mm -hmm. It's an incredibly short list. And Kessel's on that list. And so, you know, again, if you're a fan of roster building, this is an awesome signing for the Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, they, you know, they gave Max Pacioretty away for free. And obviously those two players are very different. However... Phil Kessel is still a good player, and so, you know, he is going to be counted on to replace some of the offense that departed with um, with Max Pacioretty. Uh, as you said, Ian, Robin Leonard is on the long-term injured reserve. He's not even going to play this season. Uh, Larry Brassard just had surgery as well, a little bit of a question mark there. Oh, Peter Bohr said both will be ready by Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I, I just think... And I don't, I, I don't know that anybody would ever come out and say this, but I do wonder if the plan is like, hey, our goaltending situation is a bit of a nightmare right now. We just need to make sure we score a lot of goals. Hey, Logan Thompson's a legit prospect, though. Oh, absolutely. And he he was very good. And I know you know that. But 
But I think that a lot is being made over the Vegas goaltending situation when it doesn't necessarily need to be. Now, if Thompson goes out there and just has a horrible start to the season, there is every reason to be concerned if you're a Golden Knights fan. But I think right now, even without uh, Leonard for the season, they're fine with Thompson. Brossois is a guy who gets paid way too much to play three games a season. Um, so they'll, they'll be all right. But um, back to the Kessel signing. Yeah, I think it's a good move. They, they need players. They need cheap players or, you know, who can still contribute. The Sharks are in the same division. And mm-hmm. we saw what Joel Kessel did to the Sharks as a member of the Coyotes when they were in our division. And... Yeah, so Kessel's going to be just fine. It's going to be a good fit, I think, here. It's it's such a low-risk deal, too, because, like, I just, I don't see how in this universe that we live in, you don't get $1.5 million worth out of Phil Kessel, even at this point in his career. Well, and, and even, you know, there was, he was kind of the forgotten, you know, the forgotten star last season. I mean, you know, didn't move at the trade deadline, obviously didn't sign, uh, right away and and so there was you know you i feel like you had a lot of people saying oh well you know maybe this is it for phil kessel you know he didn't go anywhere he didn't sign anywhere but guy had 51 or 52 points last year and you know again like if if 52 points is a bad year or a career ending year okay i'll take it you know what i mean like that's <laughs> solid for and and to your point ian at one and a half million bucks like even if even if he only gives you thirty points, mm-hmm. that's that's a million and a half worth if you ask me. Yeah. Uh, how much is uh, how much is Nico Sturm making this season? Nico Sturm is making. I know he's making more than Kessel. He <laughs> he's making <laughs> yep. two two million that's, bucks. That, yeah, I know. I know that was my point. Right. And I like Nico Sturm, but yeah. and you and you know what? With Phil Kessel, like you just look at you know you just look at the way. Uh, Vegas is built, obviously. I think, I don't know why, but I think keeping the misfit line together is still really important to them. And so now you have a situation where you can do Mark Stone and Jack Eichel with Phil Kessel. Like, that's fair. He's going to, like, this, the amount of secondary assists that he's going to pick up is going to be insane. Yeah. Uh, it was asking why didn't the Sharks sign Kessel? Because he's not a third liner. Duh. Well, and also because they, yeah. because Kevin LeBanc's going to rebound. Oh, he, that too. Oh. <laughs> yes, of course. He's gonna, yeah, he's gonna score forty goals this year. My goodness. Um, so they say. Yeah. Many people are saying. Many people are saying. Yeah, just going back to Vegas on the on the goalie front. There, I think like Logan Thompson's a guy I really like, and I've said that mm-hmm. on this show many many times. But you're asking a lot of a guy who has what 19 NHL games under his belt so far. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. it's definitely it's going to be fascinating. Um, Vegas is coming up. I don't even know who, who is next. Who is who is next uh, on this little series of ours? Let me go find yields. Would that be? I mean, would technically be the Sharks, but we, well, don't, we don't want to talk, talk about them. The so the would be the Canucks. Oh, we are okay. So Vancouver's next. That's going to be interesting. I'm looking. I'm excited for that. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. So there you go. Next week, Vancouver. Yeah, um, same place, same place, same time, right? Wednesday at seven. Yep. Yeah, we can do that. Yep. There it is. There you so go. everybody, set your calendar. All right, um, Kevin Lacey, final thoughts. 
final thoughts are you read off so many conditions in that trade that it, <laughs> I've lost all my daylight that I had at the start of the show. So you're, you're, I got, you're. I got, I got nothing else to add other than I do plan on being at Tech CU Arena on Friday, I think in the evening, since I wasn't able to make it out today. And uh, it should be pretty awesome. I'm excited. So say hi if you if you see me there. And uh, I'm on Twitter at KevinLacy22. And if they don't see you there, should they still say hi? They should at least follow me and say, hey, I'm sorry I missed you, but here's a follow. There you go. There you go. Um, so real, you know, for, I guess, part of my final thoughts, something I did want to address and <sighs> Kevin, I'm sorry. Um, Marty T wants to know, he was late <laughs> to the show. Marty T wants this to know. Is this a Nick Chichek thing again? He, he wants to know if Nick Chichek locked you out of your house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm banging on the window with the broom handle here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, jeez. <laughs> oh, Final if, thoughts. If Nick Chichek wants to say hi to me at TechCU Arena on Friday. I'll be just fine with that. Yeah, that's gonna be yeah. Uh, so final thoughts. Um, I think as you said in the uh, description of the video, Ian, news is kind of slowing down to a it trickle, is. and yet we still but, have to go. <laughs> right. Well, cause, and I think that's why, you know, doing our little, you know, division, whatever you want to call it, you know, um, the little division previews, I think is, I think it's really fun. It's not, I know, you know, every time we've talked about a team that's not the Sharks, we seem to piss some people off. But, you know, I think it's kind of fun to, I, I mean, I'm assuming it's fun for other people to say, oh, you know, what are these guys who don't care about my team? What do they think about it? And I, and I always enjoy getting to do these just because it's it's a different pace it's a different perspective and i think it's fun um i am i do think we got a couple of hitters coming up i think vancouver and vegas are going to be really interesting to talk about um yeah with so with that in mind again i'm i'm not really doing twitter all that much during the summer like i check it you know at night but uh if you want to be there when i come out of my twitter hibernation uh, at hockey underscore jerk on Twitter, nowhere else, just Twitter. Um, that's all I have to say. I don't know. There's not really a lot going on over there. So maybe if you want to follow me on, on October 1st, that that's okay. There you go. I know what I wait, wait, can I get one final thought in an actual yes, final thought in Of course. TJ Hensick laid the boom on Bobby <laughs> Farnham in the three ice he finals. Did. He did. Oh. That was a wild hit. TJ had so basically the three ice former Barracuda alluded to earlier. That's right. Uh, thank you, Joe Will, for your signing of TJ Hensick once upon a time. Um, yeah, three ice tournament finals were happening over the weekend. Congrats to Team Trottier for upsetting Team Mullen. Um, but there's no checking allowed in that tournament, and Bobby Farnham hit TJ Hensick close to the boards, and TJ Hensick who. I recall had under 20 career hits in over 100 NHL games. So that should show you how physical TJ Hensick went. He was pissed and he dropped Bobby Farnham and they both got tossed from the game. But he dropped. I'm going to be posting a video of it on my Twitter here probably tomorrow. So uh, there you go. stay tuned there. So that that's the real advertising. 
That's the real advertisement. All right, I'm done. All right. Uh, my final thoughts. I mean, again, look at, I appreciate you guys coming and hanging out with us during the absolute dog days of summer, because again, news is slowed down to a trickle. I think we, we made a lot out of what little sharks news there was this show more than I thought we would. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about that, but I, I really appreciate you guys hanging out and supporting us and continuing to support us. Uh, means the world to me. Like I said, next week, same bat time, same bat channel. Come back and, and hear us ramble about the Vancouver Canucks because that is what we're going to do. Um, as always, if you have something, though, that you think that we should be discussing, uh, you can hit me up on the Twitter machine. I am a little more on Twitter than uh, Mr. Hockey Jerk, especially when it's hockey related. Like, I, I will come out of hibernation to talk hockey at any time. Uh, at Ian Blogs Hockey on the Twitter machine, if you have something that you would like us to address or discuss or anything like that, uh, either tweet it at me dm me whatever um and we will definitely throw it on the roundup and and definitely uh uh continue talking about it um other than that obviously uh you can find us all on teal town usa um you can follow obviously teal town usa again you can hit us up on the social medias at teal town usa on pretty much all the social media uh again you can get this show in audio format um, if you do get this show in audio format, please leave us a five-star review and let us know we're good. I mean, if you don't want to leave us, if you want to leave us a, a two-star review, that's fine too. I mean, be honest, it's fine. I'm I, I'm a big boy. I can take it. Um, if you want to help us here on the Twitter mission, uh, I'm sorry, not on Twitter, but on YouTube, um, leaving us a like on the video is awesome uh if you hit the bell you can find out anytime when we go live which is usually never when we say we are at least for tilting glasses anyway um but the like button helps us a huge amount um and you know again if you have something that you think we got wrong or just you know want to leave us a comment um definitely do that i respond to comments all the time uh, on this channel so uh if you want to leave us a comment that is great all that helps us with the algorithm and make sure when people start looking for sharks related content they find us and that is the uh that is important obviously because it makes what we do worthwhile um other than that though guys i super appreciate you all being here and i hope we will see you on the next deal to glasses thank you and good night